Welcome to the Physics Teaching Podcast, the podcast for teachers of physics, made by physics teachers. Physics teachers like me, Robin Griffiths, uh, a full-time teacher of physics all the way through from year 8 to year 13. Physics teachers like me, Thomas WP, a part-time, A-level mostly teacher of physics. I'm currently doing biology still with Year 7, but I am writing the physics for other teachers in Year 7, so I'm still sort of slightly getting my physics in with the Year 7. And we are joined today by a special guest, Will White. Welcome, Will. Hello, Thomas. Thank you for having me. So do tell us, Will, what sort of experience do you have and what sort of school do you teach at? (laughs) Uh, so I'm currently in my NQT year, and I'm a physics specialist teaching at a large secondary state school in Essex, where both of you gentlemen used to work. Yeah, uh, yes, that's that because we both we both taught at the same school. Uh, well, well, because uh, well, because you're in your NQT year, you you post us by some time, decades, uh, many years. Presumably, the only thing you've got is is some um, sort of terrible anecdotes and warnings from from uh, Wendy, the physics technician, who. Uh, <laughs> said, oh, you're so much nicer than the physics teachers we used to have. Oh, uh, I had to bring up you two to Wendy. It didn't happen the other way around. I don't know if that's worse than having uh, negative anecdotes. <laughs> a long time ago for me now. And uh, yes, I've moved on. Let's just say I've moved on from that school. But you also have the great pleasure and privilege of teaching a certain junior WP. Poor thing. She's absolutely mortified that I'm speaking to you today. <laughs> I'm amazed you told her. I'm sure she's sure she's horrified. <laughs> she brought up the subject at this week's podcast at the same day that you emailed me about it out of the blue. I had no idea you were her teacher, and so I thought, well, we have to get you on just just to wind her up as much as anything. So uh, you emailed us, Will, about a new web surface that I had only heard about that morning from my very daughter called Nearpod. I wonder if you wouldn't mind summarising it for us. Yeah, so Nearpod, when I think about it, is just the way of doing assessment for learning in virtual school for me now. It's ostensibly a service where you, instead of just having a presentation, your presentation becomes interactive. So you can add quizzes or long-form answers or polls whiteboards, all manner of things uh, to sort of get some feedback from kids uh, in a way other than just trying to get them to use the hands up function on teams, which they seem very reluctant to do in most of my classes. <laughs> it, it does look very powerful. There's a lot because I've seen, you know, and you're right, you know, teams has a hand up and um, you see various other, there's this sort of online whiteboards and all sorts of different bits and pieces. But this seems to have lots and lots grouped into one place this is this is the the beauty of it yeah i think i think what i found so powerful is just the variety that you can add so if you're trying to get answers from students there's just so so many different options so you've got your standard multiple choice and long answer questions but you can also gamify some of the quizzes so with some of my key stage three groups they've got a, a time to climb activity which i think makes it a bit more exciting but you can also do things like polls and uh, matching cards and close activities so uh, lots going on just talk me through the time to climb activity so if you make a quiz so quizzes on nearpod if the what they call a quiz is always multiple choice and you make your quiz it might have four five six questions 
Uh, and then afterwards, you can convert it to time to climb, which just asks them exactly the same questions, uh, but there's some fancier animation and I think a timer involved. So there's sort of points for correctness and points for speed, as far as I can work out. So do, is there sort of a leaderboard they can see how they're doing compared to others? I think you share the leaderboard with them. So one of the nice things about Nearpod with all of the tasks is you can choose what you share with the students. So if they've written an answer for me, I can choose a student's answer to share with everyone else's and you can toggle whether it shows their name or not as well. So I'm often anonymously sharing a sort of model answer and uh, model wrong answers as well. I like a model wrong answer in physics. This is what I was expecting lots of you to say. Uh, and this is why it's not true. But with the anonymous feature, you don't have to embarrass anyone. I am very interested to hear the anonymizing because I have used Nearpod since we hooked up with you. I had not noticed you could anonymize it. And I did feel a bit cheeky putting up the right answers, although they're not in the classroom and they're not they're not in the playground now. Um, so I will look for that setting. <laughs> but I... I, I, I I, I used it straight away. That that morning, uh, my daughter had told me at breakfast and I had had the email from you and I went and I thought, okay, let's see what this is like. And I was able, I went in an hour before my first lesson and I was able to take a PowerPoint, import it, make some of the slides draw on. And it is, what I liked about it is it's super easy and super quick to get up and running. You, know, you, can, you can literally put a PowerPoint in, let them draw on it, stick in a couple of true-false rounds and, and a couple of multi-choices and they're away. Um, what is fantastic, I don't know if you've done this, is the drawing one, the whiteboard one. So I, I mean, the thing, I think we should talk about it as teaching physics, but I had done, I'm teaching um, the engineering topic of AQA and I was doing the second law of thermodynamics. And so I'd, I'd already written the question for them and I'd had it on PowerPoint and I just put it in front of them and that got them to fill it in with their mouse because they were there were three questions and I could see them filling it in and, and steer people towards the right answer because you can see them real time writing on the board. It was it was fascinating and instructive to say, OK, you've got 57 percent, but you know, Bob and Charlie have got 57 percent, but it, they're, they're wrong. And uh, can Blah, who's got the right answer, give them a hint? I thought that was super yeah, what got me into it during during this lockdown was that uh, a draw it function, they call it. So you can have a, a blank screen, but what I found really useful is having a slide or a photo from a PowerPoint, which students then annotate. So I used it first for uh, teaching forces to my year nine classes. So Ooh. in the introduction to forces, I just wanted them drawing forces arrows, like what, what forces are acting on this object? Show me. And yeah, the fact that I can see live as they're annotating it and they can submit an answer and I can share what different people have drawn and we can talk about that so so powerful in a, like replacing what I would have done with a mini whiteboard in, in some senses yeah it's like a mini whiteboard where you're looking over all their shoulders at once yeah, but I, I have to say, I, I sort of, the, the power, I mean, I haven't used it anywhere near as, as much as, as either of you, you folk have. But one of the things you mentioned simplicity there, Thomas, it's so often, isn't it, the case that when 
educational software starts to get all this functionality in it, it becomes far too busy and far too clunky. And this seems to be beautifully, neatly designed. Uh, and the other thing I noticed, and I don't know if, if you agree with this, but it seems they seem to be uh, trying to protect your... You know, it's all very well we, we're producing lessons for lockdown at the moment, but, you know, will all the planning that we've done end up shelved because we're back in the classroom and we're having to use... complete? Well, with this, it seems that you can use it in front of the class, you, you can adapt it, uh, you could use it uh, in, in the classroom in school as well. Yeah, I certainly think it's something I'm going to keep using uh, when we return to some semblance of normality. Um, something I like is that you can do it live. So they call it teacher paced or there's a student paced version as well. So for kids that haven't been able to make a lesson for any reason, I can send them the student paced link and they can do all of the same activities that their peers did live. And I think for some homeworks, that would be fantastic. So what I got in touch with you about originally was being able to add questions to videos. So you spoke uh, last time about how great some of the educational videos are out there, particularly things like core practicals. There's some fantastic stuff on YouTube already. But I worried that if I send send a class of 30, a 10 minute video, it's a bit easy to switch off from that, go and have your cup of tea, uh, whatever. Whereas if every couple of minutes there's a question popping up getting them to think about something that's being talked about it's a lot more engaging yeah and i experimented with that today actually because i'm writing this year seven light and it, again it's really simple you give it a link in my case to a youtube video and it, it sucks down the video puts it on your on your file and fills up your storage space so they hope you'll pay them when you get to i think it's 100 megabytes that will go fast with a few videos Stop Press. I have now used Nearpod a little bit more and I have discovered that the videos take up exactly zero space if they are YouTube. So I'm guessing it streams them from YouTube and that doesn't come off your account. I imagine if you upload a video that does come off your space. Back to the podcast. But um, then you load the video and then you can play it in the browser and just pause it and insert a multiple choice question or uh, type in the answer question. And that's actually what I saw my daughter doing when I first saw it. I didn't really understand what she was doing because it just seemed like witchcraft that she was watching a video and answering questions. And that's what led to the conversation the following morning when we were trying to, to I was trying to understand what it was. And that's when we tracked you down, Will. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he tracked us down. I yeah, he I... tracked us down. He emailed me directly, I think, because you know, he wants to share with the, the physics community. And That's I do cool. think it's super powerful for, 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 for teaching in general. But I, I think things in, the things I've been doing in physics, it's been great. I think what, when you introduced it, where you said, you know, it's, it's your assessment for learning go to now, which I thought was really good, because that's the thing that's really worried me about the whole lockdown thing is it, assessment for learning is even more important now and even more difficult. Uh, and this seems to fill that gap. Yeah, definitely. Being able to get live feedback and live answers from a whole class, very powerful at the moment. And it just means that I can target support a bit more in a, in a normal classroom. You'd be able to go and talk to those who are finding it difficult, offer them a hint. And you can still do that on Teams, but it's being able to know who who needs that hint and which, which direction they need uh, prompting in that this has really helped with. Yes, now, and I think there's sharing the sharing the answers anonymous or, or not anonymous. Or otherwise. 
<laughs> that is brilliant. I mean, because I had a couple who gave me word for word what I would have put the answer, and I was able to say that, oh, you know, Blah has put this, and here's their answer. This is what I was looking for. This one's right, but it's not spelt right. Here's this one that's spelt right. It's brilliant, brilliant. Now, well, I don't know how much you know about sort of, because I know a lot of people will be interested, very interested in this, but um, I don't know whether you know anything about the uh, cost or pricing structure or whether there's a free version for people who shamelessly plug it on a podcast, that kind of thing. <laughs> so, yes, there is a free version. Uh, the limitation uh, of the free version is the amount of storage you get, which I think Thomas mentioned. So with the free version, you can have 100 megabytes of storage, which is fine until you start adding a few videos, and then it yeah. uh, can fill up quite fast. And because they're, uh, I mean, it's its own thing, there's no way to download these to be able to save them offline and put them back. Uh, so they can they can get you there. And I know that to go to just one gigabyte is uh, $120 a year. So it would get quite expensive quite fast. Yeah, and if you've got Plickers and you've got uh, Quizlet and you've got all these things, it does it does add up. My my school are refunding us for Quizlet, interestingly. Uh, what's worth mentioning though is there are quite a lot of lessons they've got built in um, that you, I was looking at, and in there I saw that you can include FET interactives, which was nice to see. So you can actually put in a FET simulation as part of the live lesson. That that pleased me. Yeah, so I've, I think uh, another benefit of FET going to HTML5 with all of their simulations is you can put them in here. So I've used those as uh, starters a few times whilst I'm getting my whole class to um, click through to the link and get set up. I've had a simulation up with a question like, can you make this do this? Or what experiment is this show? And I've just done uh, Rutherford's gold, gold foil experiment with my year 10 so i had the fet simulation for that up and i was just asking them like what is this showing you and so that's quite nice because they can each sort of play with their own version yeah i mean you can put in any of their html5 simulations can't you which is a huge number now and ever growing especially if people donate to fet donate to fet or buy the app off off your app store fet's super and i think to put it in front of them and then they can play with the simulation and you know they're doing it. You could then follow it with questions. You could uh, demonstrate it yourself if you wanted. I think the power of this thing is awesome. I, I kind of look at this thing, wow, I'd love to have been able to do this myself because it's there's so much you can do. You even got 3D animal cells, which would help me with my year sevens. I did do that draw it task and I got them to draw a cell, year seven. Two of them drew a smiley face. Or what? <laughs> I had a I I had a circle. I had the cell. I had the cell membrane, and and I said, "Can you draw in the parts of the cell?" Two of them just drew a smiley they, face. What? What? What are kids like now? Literally, couldn't couldn't just get five minutes without an emoji. Typical. Typical. Kids are today, eh? <laughs> so looking through it, it seems that, it, that there could be, uh, and it's one of those things where you have to contact them. But it could be that there's a sort of school wide license option potentially. So if your school are are serious about um, uh, online learning and perhaps thinking that this is a a springboard for them to do more with classroom technology, you never know. You might be able to persuade them to to get a Nearpod subscription. Who knows? I've heard on the grapevine that you might be able to get a school wide thirty day free trial as well. So maybe even worth contacting them even if you're not sure about shelling the cash yeah i'm on their their nearpod pricing guide now and there is a quote me for custom for schools and districts looking to level up 
Um, so that might be worth exploring. I do think it's good. And, you know, while I, as I said earlier, what I really like is how easy it is. And the, the ones I find I'm using are the ones that are easy to use. So I, I, Quizlet is great, particularly Quizlet Live. Um, Robin, you put me onto Plicker's e-learning. Mm-hmm. That is working and does work well once you're up and running, but giving them each their individual links a bit of a chore. Chore. But once they've got that link, it does work well. And that is really nice because you can you know it's the right kid with the right answer. Yes. And and I was worried about that, that in Nearpod, but I found there was a, a setting you can switch to, so they have to log in with their school ID, which would make it easier because otherwise you don't know who's who. <laughs> and it's worth noting you can look at afterwards, can't you? There's a reporting functionality, isn't there, Will, where you can go and see what answers they gave. So even, you don't have to know live what they said. You can go back and check. Yeah, so the reports is really useful for trying to keep on top of sort of engagement in online school. And for every lesson, they get a participation percentage, which I quite like to just check in that although they were in the lesson, were they doing the lesson as well? So that's pretty handy. So, Will, is it true to say that you're basically you're, you're pretty much doing all of your online teaching via Nearpod now? Is it, has it sort of taken over in that sense? It's certainly heading that way. Uh, as Thomas said, it is very easy to set up but it's not as easy as not setting one up, if that makes sense. So my, the amount I'm doing, really, yeah. <laughs> so they're definitely, I'm definitely doing an increasing amount. And we had, uh, I did for our science department, a little training session on this in our meeting. So as more and more science teachers get on board, you are able to share yours with other teachers. So there's a, a share with teacher function so they can take it uh, a Neopod you've used and use it with their classes. So that's very handy. Uh, a bit of collaborative planning is always helpful. Yeah, no, that's good. And it, so you've mentioned, you sort of touched on it slightly there. I was going to ask, you know, are there any downsides? Because you, you're saying, you know, there's a slight overhead involved in, in, there's a time investment in making these, but hopefully that's one that will pay rewards in the future, I'm guessing. But any other downsides? I think the more you use it, the more you get annoyed by uh, the little things. So if you, instead of importing a slide from, PowerPoint or Sheets, you make a slide in Nearpod, which sometimes if I'm just doing one uh, quickly, I'd quite like to do. You can't change like the size of the title, for example, which is a very minor thing, but something that now I'm using it all the time, starting to grate. But I don't, I don't really see any major downsides. If you've got that extra five minutes to make a PowerPoint that you may even already have interactive, I, I don't see a downside. I would say that I asked the kids what they felt. They felt it was a bit laggy. And I was annoyed that my stylus didn't work with the drawing functionality. It, it behaved really erratically with it. So I had to, had to draw with a mouse when I was drawing. Uh, but you know, the, the, the power of it, the, the amount of different things you can do just to pause and test and pause and, and check just makes it it's that much more engaging and you know if the kids are doing it because you can see you can literally see it happening in front of you i think that that you know you're saying the assessment for learning being able to immediately feedback what you're seeing and give them hints and get other ones to give their hints i really like that saying uh you know joe you've got the right percentage do you want to give a hint to the people who've got the wrong percentage i i really enjoyed that and i thought that was valuable so it sounds like there's been some serious investment in this and you know, the, the, the big things they've got right. And that kind of bodes well in terms of the little niggles because presumably they'll sort that, those out over time. One would hope so. Mm. When they've heard the power of the physics teaching podcast mentioning <laughs> it, 
they will immediately jump to attention, I would think. Well, to be honest, tomorrow morning, wherever Nearpod's offices are over in the States, they'll be high-fiving and you know, champagne corks popping. They'll know they've made it. <laughs> <laughs> they will. Okay, good. Um, so, uh, well, well, I think we've had a good chat about Nearpod. Are, are there any other tools you're using that you, you like? I, like you, am getting on board with uh, Quizlet Live, although I'm a bit later to the party on that one. Uh, but starting to use that, I'm really enjoying that. But a visualizer, a visualizer has been the biggest thing for me. I think when we first went to virtual school after Christmas, I was spending a lot of time making what I would have done on a whiteboard into a PowerPoint form and using all of the uh, LaTeX commands to try and get formula and things like that. But actually, Having a visualizer has been the real game changer for me. Or not even having a visualizer, having a clamp stand, which I can put my phone in. And Teams has a wonderful feature (laughs) where you can add two devices for the same account on the same call. So I have my phone and laptop filming my desk and filming me. (laughs) Oh, yes. Now, um, Will, if it's all right, I just wanted to ask you, because, oh, my goodness, you're an NQT, so you finished your training year in amongst all this lockdown malarkey presumably at your training school on placement and then you've started uh, this year at, at your big comprehensive in Essex that Thomas and I know well uh, and you've one term and then you've been sort of sent home and you're you're in two days a week is that right? Yes so at the moment I'm in two days a week uh, providing the sort of key worker supervision although not really teaching I'm teaching my classes on teams and the key workers are in the same room on a computer on teams so slightly surreal in that sense it's nice to be in school sometimes because the opportunity to bump into a colleague is quite welcome at the moment yeah that's what i was going to ask actually just to say sort of you know is is it good to at least just have that that level of human contact but how have you found you know sort of nqt year and and in amongst this is it sort of is it okay is it just because it's all you've known or how, how are you finding it Yeah, so during the training year, I think certainly, so I was uh, training at Cambridge, so fairly local, and everyone's experience was quite different depending on the school they were at. So for me, it was, you're doing year seven physics, nothing's live, make something and put it in a OneNote document that year seven can do by themselves, which was an interesting uh, sort of project and challenge, but I don't think as a teacher, it's not the bit of the job I enjoy. The bit of the job I enjoy is the being uh, talking to students. So this lockdown certainly better in that sense that I'm teaching my normal timetable. I'm teaching live a lot of the time. And in some senses feel lucky compared to some of my more experienced colleagues because it is more of my experience of teaching. And I am uh, happy and confident using the technology in general and excited to try new things but certainly not how you'd hope or expect your NQT year to go sort of bright-eyed and bushy-tailed in September all of my (laughs) classes of 30 my own lab it was all wonderful a pack of whiteboard pens Uh, although even in term one social distancing really changed what teaching was like compared to my training year pre-COVID I mean not being able to circulate we I know weren't allowed to do any practicals really for quite a long time 
uh, because you couldn't intervene for health and safety reasons. But I, I thought it was, it was extraordinarily nice of you there to to show empathy towards your aged colleagues who are having to adapt to it. Was, wasn't that nice of him, Thomas? Didn't you think? Yeah. Thomas, you, can you hear me? I can hear you, Robin. Yes, Robin. Oh dear. Anyway, so, but yeah, I do. I absolutely take your point because I, I, this is the thing I find is, is sort of all the lessons that... Um, you know, I've been happily kind of working with, and I, you know, I know when I'm teaching forces, I think, oh yeah, yeah, that's the angle I take when I'm starting off with forces with year eight or year ten or whichever group it is, and that that's how I start. And I've got some some resources that I've I've worked out over the years, and I think, yeah, that's how. And of course, you know, you have to completely sweep that away and start again. So I suppose from that point of view, um, you, you know, you, you do have that advantage, world, which is uh, which is good. But um, I, I have to say, I, th- I think that's um, that's a really positive attitude to take, and it's fantastic because it is. Uh, I think a difficult time for everybody. So it's it's great that you're being so phlegmatic about it. And I got the word phlegmatic into the podcast, so I'm happy with that. <laughs> uh, now, I know you're fresh to the profession, Will, and you haven't been in a classroom very much and certainly haven't been able to do many practicals. But is there a favourite practical, maybe from your time at school yourself before all this COVID craziness, maybe something you saw in your teacher training or perhaps uh, one of your lovely colleagues at school? Is there anything you want to share with us? I'd have to say, first of all, that as a student, all of my uh, favourite practicals were in chemistry. So I, I perhaps shouldn't talk about any of those. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're having trouble hearing you there. Cut, 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 Can't say that on the Physics Teaching Podcast. Well, no, I, I, I do sympathise, actually, because I used to look quite like a chemistry uh, practical because, you know, you, you really had that, that ability to... Um, you know, just poison the kids without anybody really getting upset about it because you're a physicist <laughs> and you shouldn't. There's no reason for you to know better. But um, <laughs> the thing is, I, I the, the thing I always love actually is the ones that sort of kind of work for both. And I used to find myself doing this quite a lot with the chemistry experiments. Was sort of uh, you get ones where you produce lots of lovely different colours and you'd start going, oh, and this is really interesting because this is all about the light scattering and this sort of thing. And then you'd you'd realise you'd started to teach physics again. You had to bring yourself back. But but no. So t- tell us a favourite chemistry practical. Well, you've now inspired me talking about uh, light scattering and thinking about the um, using the CD as a prism to see the spectral lines from the sun. And I think doing that, doing that as a trainee was wonderful, just with a CD and a piece of cardboard. That's a really nice one, isn't it? Because when you get you, you get those templates, don't you, that you can get to, um, so the kids can actually kind of cut them out and make make their own uh, spectrometers. And, and then, of course, when you look at things like. Um, low energy light bulbs and things like that the spectrum isn't complete so they get to see that as well it's 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 there's a lot in there it's it's a lot of lovely physics that mm-hmm. during lockdown i've tried to film as many sort of practicals as possible obviously not quite the same uh, effect as being in the classroom but something which i did get the reaction i was hoping for from was having the uh, plastic plate and the metal plate that look identical you put an ice cube on them and the one on the metal plate melts almost before before your eyes it still shocks me how fast that ice cube melts and i think having year eight on teams period five and being able to show them that was good fun yeah i, I love that one you can do it at home with a chopping board and a saucepan can't use that so. it's a lovely misconception clearer isn't it because it is one of those things that that you know they think oh well the metal's warmer and of course it isn't it, it's all to do with conduction and um yeah so it's, it's there's loads of great physics in there and loads of great misconceptions that you can weed out with that one isn't it well i'm glad that does sound like physics not not chemistry <laughs> can't believe you said that uh so i think it's probably time to say will thank you very much it's been a great pleasure having you on board and thank you for putting up with my daughter Hey, thank you to us, Robert.
Yeah, so don't worry. Well, we do have a bleeper to take out the chemistry, so that, don't worry. That that's will appear in the uh, the final. <laughs> but it's it's been honestly absolutely in such a busy year for you. Thank you so much for taking the time to come and talk to us. Thanks indeed, Will. Not at all. Thank you very much for having me. And thank you very much, Robin. Thanks, Thomas. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Physics Teaching Podcast. Special thanks this week to Will White. The podcast is presented by me, Thomas WP, and Robin Griffiths. And produced and edited by me, Thomas WP, with Robin doing the show notes. Thanks for listening, and we'll speak to you next week. 